This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The old saying goes, there are only two things that are inevitable, death and taxes. But what is not cast in stone is how much of your hard-earned money will go to the Canada Revenue Agency as opposed to your loved ones and your favorite charities when you pass. And making sure that the most cash gets to the right place takes some planning and here with the top tips is Mark Halpern, a certified financial planner, trust, and estate practitioner. He is a master financial advisor in philanthropy and the CEO of WealthInsurance.com. And he's happy to take your calls and your questions. It's good advice. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, one 866 744, 740. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be back, Libby. Okay, so death and taxes, you start. It's, 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 a, it's a conversation that a lot of people don't like to have. No, they don't want to talk about death, and they certainly don't want to talk about taxes. I know every year when tax season rolls around, it's not my favorite subject with, with accountants, but this is really a, about estate taxes. You know, we all have taxes as we're alive, our income taxes, our HST, gas tax, tobacco, whatever. But uh, most Canadians are not aware of the fact that there's a big tax bill um, upon death in, in Canada, in Ontario as well. And once they realize that, it gets their attention because the good news is they can do some planning to actually preserve their estate for their family or charities they care about. But it requires doing some planning as opposed to investing. Okay, yeah. And uh, it's interesting that that's called the, it's called the final tax return. Da-da-da-da. The terminal return. It the sounds very Star return. Trek, you know, or some, yeah. So, so just to, as a very, very high level, you know, you can meet somebody who has a $5 million net worth, but they don't realize that that net worth might only be worth $3 million to their family. Why? Because if you have any registered money, meaning RSPs or RIFs, and you don't have a spouse to roll that over to on a tax-free basis, then the government wants 54% of anything over $220,000. That means if you have a million-dollar RSP or RIF, that means the government's getting 540000 of that, and your family gets four sixty. You could also have uh, appreciated investment real estate, not your principal residence, but real estate or an investment portfolio that's appreciated or a business. And the government is going to want 27% of the gains on that. And then if you have any money in a holding company and you need to get it out to your family, there's a potential dividend tax or a double tax there of 47% or more. And then, of course, you also have probate taxes, 1.5%. So you really need to sort of dig a little deeper and get some crystallization in terms of what are your taxes so that you can actually deal with it now while the sun is shining and, and use some assets that you're not spending, you're just paying taxes on to actually preserve your estate. Okay. Uh, that's a lot to, to think about. I mean, um, yeah. It's a lot to think about. It's it's a lot to pay out. And I guess it's an unpleasant thing to think about. And then other people think, well, hey, it's not going to be my problem, is it? 
right. So that's, you know, there are two types of people there in life. There are people who care, and then there are people who don't care. If you're somebody who cares, then you'll give this some attention. And, and the good news is it, it's not that painful. It just requires having a, a frank conversation with a professional like myself, you know, somebody who specializes in estate planning, a certified financial planner, and actually have that conversation now so that they, uh, they can take care of these things and have a lot more flexibility and options. Okay. So uh, there's a thing at death. A deemed disposition, right? So uh, the government says that when you pass away, they will deem that you're you're selling everything at that point, right? Correct. Not only will they say you sold it all at that point. Remember, if you have a spouse, yeah. so then there's a tax-free spousal rollover, rollover to the surviving spouse. It's on the second to die of a husband and wife. That's why any of your listeners, really specifically anyone who's a single divorced or widowed person, then yeah, there is a deemed disposition upon their death and the government assumes they've sold everything at fair market value. And that's the no, that's sort of the benchmark for where they say, here's what you paid for it, or here's what it's worth today, the market value, here's what you paid for it. And depending on if it's a, if it's a capital gain or if it's a, a tax, the taxes can be anywhere between 27 and 54%. Okay. So that's the bad news. <laughs> The good news. The good news. So the good news. And, and, you know, let's say, you know, I I don't think most of our audience are millionaires, but, but, you know, people have over a lifetime accumulated a few things. Yeah. So so it's a good point. You don't have to be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates to be doing estate planning. You can have a house. You can have a few hundred thousand and an RSB or RIF. We've heard from a lot of your callers, and it's been great how many people love your show but have contacted us, and they're just regular people. You know, we're, we, I grew up as a regular kind of person, too, with my family, and, uh, and, and that needs attention as well. So it, it really is about taking the first step to get the answers. But can't, again, there is a there is a strategy, Libby. It's called put your head in the sand. Okay. Right? In which case, you know, in which case your your stuff is not going to go to the people that you really want it to, or less of your stuff will go to the people you care about. So, you know, as an example, every one of us has three possible beneficiaries to our estate. You can have your family, you can have the CRA, and you can have charity. Each of us can pick two of those. Which two would you pick, Libby? I would I would pick my family yes. and charity. Great. So okay. listen, the government's great too. We live in a phenomenal country. There's no question about it. But, you know, just as an example, somebody who has a riff and let's say they don't have a spouse and 54% is going to the government, they could use some of that income, that after-tax income, to actually acquire tax-exempt life insurance to make sure the full amount of the riff goes to their family. Okay, so do that. slow down. Okay. <laughs> Explain how you do that. Well, let's say you have somebody who has a $500,000 RSP RIF and they are divorced or single or widowed, right? We know that 54% of that money is going to go to the government upon their death. But let's say through that, they have to take out a withdrawal every year after age 71. Right. And they pay taxes on it. Right. And let's assume they don't need that money. So they're just going to invest it again, and it's going to get taxed again, and they invest it and they get taxed. What they could do is they could take out some of that after-tax income and acquire a life insurance policy for the value of their registered portfolio. Now they're taking 
investment money that they're not spending and acquiring a tax-exempt life insurance policy so that upon their death, their family's going to get the life insurance policy, which would be a tax-free payout, plus they'll get whatever the residue is of the RSP or the RIF. So in fact, you've actually increased the amount of money that's going to your family and decreased the amount of money that's going to the CRA. Okay, but uh, at a certain point, isn't it hard to get that insurance policy, I mean, once you you are getting up there in age, and how expensive is it? And don't you need those ones that, you know, with the big ads, you know, no medicals. <laughs> so that's that's for another show, okay? That's on your, you know, fight back program. But yeah, life insurance, in order to acquire insurance, you need to be healthy. A lot of these types of policies we are get people involved with actually involve something called joint last to die insurance. So it's it's bought on a husband and wife and it's paid out on the second to die of the husband and wife. What that does is there's some arbitrage where the cost is much, much less. Really it's it's you know pennies for dollars. But again, you do have to qualify, not just uh, you know in terms of your health, but you also have to qualify financially as well. So, no cookie cutter. It really requires some some specific attention. Okay, let's take a call from Bernie in Oakville. Hi, Bernie. Hello, Libby. Hello, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, I own a, a condo in Toronto and a cottage in. Uh cottage country up by uh, Collingwood Way. But anyways, we're using the Collingwood Cottage as our home, but I'm thinking that if I turn it into a seasonal residence, like just three season, that it might be worth less because if I was to die and the children were to inherit it, they might have to pay two or $300,000 in capital gains. Yeah, that's a, uh, there are a lot of people who have this problem, Bernie, and uh, it's good that you're addressing it right now. Uh, the key here is that in Canada, you could have one principal residence for a husband and wife. It used to be that you could each have your own principal residence. So you have to make a determination which is the one that really is your principal residence by virtue of how long you live there, but also by virtue of what's the delta, the difference in the, the market value versus the cost of what you bought your house for and what you bought your cottage for. And then there are some calculations and a formula that your lawyers will help you with and accountants to determine what would be the most efficient way to take care of this issue. I'll just tell you uh, quickly that you know when there is a disposition, and let's say the cottage is the, disposi- the p- property that gets disposed of, it is sold at market value and your family has to come up, as you said, with a couple hundred thousand dollars to pay the taxes or they have to borrow money to pay the taxes. Or the saddest part is they have to sell the cottage to come up with those taxes. Or often what we see is people will buy life insurance. People will buy life insurance or have their children buy the life insurance on mom and dad in order to have the cash available to pay the taxes so that you can keep the cottage in the family for generations to come. Sorry, what was that, Bernie? I know you can use life insurance, but there was another thought I had was... uh, if, if uh, by the time I die, hopefully the cottage will be uh, a teardown because we built it in 1980. I thought, well, if we tear it down before I die, then all that be there is the value of the land, which is roughly 300000 or or $1,000 a, a foot of shoreline, if, the, if it's even there after these high water levels. But my right. problem is I'm thinking that can, my lawyer says I cannot turn my res, permanent residence into a three-season residence because... Right now, it's costing too much to live there year-round with hydro going up. 
We just that was the last subject here. Um, I suggest that you, you get some professional help on this. If you contact me, Mark at wealthinsurance.com or go to our website, wealthinsurance.com. We work with a lot of professionals who specialize in this area and can provide you with the, the information that you need uh, in, in cooperation with your existing advisors. Okay, Bernie, I hope uh, that at least starts, uh, starts the process for you. Thank you very much. Okay, I'll call again. I have another question one day. Okay, thanks. I am here with Mark Halpern from WealthInsurance.com, and we are talking about estate planning, even though I know a lot of you out there don't really love to talk about it, but I'm going to take a call from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, With RSPs, my wife and I both have them. So if I were to pass away, my RSP would pass on to my wife without taxes, I understand. But should at that point I uh, set my kids up as beneficiaries so they could have like a portion of it and it would maybe be at a lower tax rate? Yeah, so you're right, uh, Bill, that everything would roll over to your wife tax-free, but on the second to die of you and your wife, it doesn't matter who you put down as beneficiaries. If you definitely put down your kids, it would be, as we said, taxed you know, over $220,000 at 54%. Now, if you left that to your children, that would be great. Um, And if you have, the only other way to get rid of that tax would be as if you are philanthropic, you're a charitable person and you want that registered money to go fully to charity, in which case they would get it all and there'd be no taxes. The problem then is your kids were out of pocket, you know, the residual amount that was left over in the registered accounts. So that's some planning that you could do, you know, again, using things like tax-exempt life insurance to make sure that your kids get the full amount and you can still be leaving something for charity as well. Uh, I think that, Bill, what you're asking is if you can designate your wife as the main beneficiary and, and your kids for a little bit of it. Is that, am I getting that yeah, right? Yeah, to sort of sprinkle it around. I'm not talking about like giving them each 200000 but maybe, you know, 50000 or something. Well, whatever you give to your kids will be taxed, okay? Yeah, the only I, way that you can avoid tax is if you have a spouse that it can roll over to tax-free. Or if you have a dependent child, let's say somebody that's a dependent child due to some mental or physical incapacity, um, mm-hmm. that that would be something that would also be allowed. So uh, don't I would not suggest that you put down your children as beneficiaries at, at this point. Let it all be your wife. Otherwise, you're giving half of it to the tax department. And uh, yes, Libby, you had a question? I have a question, and I know a lot of people talk about this, and maybe it's, it's hard to... To arrange it, but but what about Bill gifting money to kids while he's still alive? Fantastic! If he does that, you know you can you can cash in the whole RSP, but you're going to pay tax on it today, right? Whatever oh, so you, he has to pay. He has to you pay take the a, tax. Remember, okay. at some point in time, you know, by age seventy-one, you have to start taking in income, and the government allowed you to put money away to help you put something aside, a nest egg for your retirement because they knew they couldn't provide for you. But once you start taking the money out at 71, you're paying taxes. If it was uh, tax interest income or just uh, earnings, you're going to pay tax at the highest rates. Can yep. I just ask one question about TFSA? Yes. Um, th- they would pass to my kids tax-free? Yes. And the, the other thing is, say I had a really good uh, run on the stock market and my TFSA TFSAs went up to two hundred dollars or two hundred thousand. 
if they drop down to a hundred thousand, that would be my cap, right? Would I be? Yeah, it would be whatever the market. It would be whatever the market. Money out. Yeah, it would be whatever the market value is. By the way, we have a we have a TFSA that we help uh, Canadians with. Either if you're a business or personal, we we actually have a no limit TFSA, where instead of just the six thousand dollars a year that you put away, we can help people uh, put away uh, a higher amount, no limit, where their money grows tax free, where they can access it pretty much tax free and pass it along tax free as well. How is that? Well, that's going to be for our show in a couple of weeks when we talk about insurance, Libby. But that's actually how tax-free uh, cash value life insurance works. You can actually accumulate money on a tax-free basis and access it tax-free and pass it along as well. But it has to be part of comprehensive planning and not just sort of a, you know, a, 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 a single strategy that you're doing. Yeah, the thing about uh, TFSA is you've already paid the taxes on that money. Right. Once, once is enough, right, Bill? Right, but the thing is, you need to make sure everybody knows when that show's going to be on. That's uh, I, I need to be listening to Okay, that so not next week, the following week. We'll be on another couple of weeks. Libby invited me back for... Uh, and, and and Bill, you should be listening all the time. What do you... What, exactly, like, what's every the deal? day. Come on. <laughs> what's the deal here? Yeah. <laughs> I try to. Okay, Please be Bill. in touch, Bill. If we can help you, just reach out to us and we'll help you out. Okay, thanks, Bill, for that. Let's go to Anthony in Peterborough. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Libby, how are you today? Fine, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello, Mark. I've got a question for you. Sure. Okay, listen, you know, I've got a substantial uh, uh, savings account and a substantial checking account. I've inherited some money. Now, if I make my son part of my account uh, on upon my death, will he have to pay taxes on that money? So, one thing's... So, so when you go ahead and add a child to, uh, let's say, a non-registered bank account, I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is just money that you have sitting in GICs or fixed income, or, or is it also invested in marketable securities like stocks and stuff like that? No, it's just a savings account and a, and a checking account. Okay, so there's really no tax, right? Because remember, we don't have an inheritance tax, so no. there wouldn't be actually a disposition, right? Where let's say you know you started off with a hundred thousand and now it's worth five hundred thousand, that would create a taxable disposition. So, yeah, you could definitely put your kid on that. And yeah. one thing for sure is you would avoid something called probate taxes, which is one and a half percent tax. There, hey, the state administrative tax. The only downside I just really recommend, Anthony, is be careful. Because once you put your kid on that account, really, they now are half owners in that. In which case, if there are any gains, they actually have to report half the gains. And also, if they have any marital issues, right, or creditors or litigation, Mm -hmm. those are real assets that belong to them. No, no, you know, that's uh, you've made a couple of good points there. Uh, I've got a good kid and uh, uh, I'm just. This is this is great information. I appreciate what you're saying. Well, and you know, if you, if you've got a substantial amount of money in that account, there might be a better way to deploy that money. Yeah, make, we have we have some make great, a little more on. We it. have some great associates in Peterborough that can help you too. So if you reach out to us, we'd be happy to make an introduction. Well, I'm going to go to your website and check you out there, Mark. Great, nice talking to you, Anthony. All right, thank okay, you. Okay, thank thanks, help. Anthony. Yeah, that, that's another thing. And, uh, you know, I know people are busy, and I can say sometimes me guilty as charged. You're leaving money in, in a bank account. Yeah, I just met with uh, a woman, a widow, who, uh, again, she had lots of assets, but one asset that she had was $800,000 at the bank. Wow. Yeah. And I said, you know, how much are you making on that money? She says, I don't know. Like, you know, really? I said, what's it invested in? I, I, I don't know. So I said, you know, 
do me a favor, provide me with your bank statements for the last five years. Let's let's do a little forensics, right? And I love <laughs> this. And I took a look at it, and maybe she's been making a quarter of 1% oh for the last God, five that's... years and paying taxes fully on that because it's considered, you know, uh, interest yeah. income. But imagine that. And, and I would suggest that that's not unusual. People just... They don't give. They they spend much more time getting haircuts and thinking and you know, and looking with, for a deal on the groceries or on their cell phone. You yeah, know, whatever. And when it comes to their biggest asset, which is really the stuff they put a lot of sweat labor into, it's a shame that you see this just not being looked after. So I think it's important people really start looking at things like preserving what they have, you know, making sure they get good income from what they have and also the tax efficiency side of it. And that requires getting together with a professional planner. Yeah. And I mean, is is there kind of a, an easy way to start reviewing things on an annual basis? You know, maybe coming up to year end because, you know, would they say, OK, you should go through all the the drugs in your medicine chest once a year and make sure that everything there is OK. Right. And they always say when the clock changes, check your uh, smoke detectors, you know, the batteries. Yep. So it's really like going to the doctor, Libby. You know, if you went to your doctor and you walk through the door and they give you a prescription and they haven't even checked you out yet, you'd call that malpractice. Yeah. So this requires, you know, some some diagnostic works. It means sitting down, looking at all your assets, how you hold them, who's the owner, who's the beneficiary, what are your income needs, making sure from a retirement perspective, you get a big fat check mark that you're not going to run out of money. But what will also help you is it'll help you identify that there are taxes now and taxes in the future. So now when you see that you've got a bunch of never spend money that you're just paying taxes What's on. What's never spend money? Never spend money is that a lot of our clients are at a point in their life that unless they were to invest all their money in a penny stock or, you know, blow it all on something, you know, very frivolous, they're going to have more money when they die than what they have today. So they're really sitting on money that they're never going to spend. That's really earmarked. That's just sad. <laughs> yeah. We should all have that sad problem. Yeah. But they're sitting there and all that money is earmarked for the next generation. So they're the custodian or trustee on that. The challenge is they don't realize they're partnering with the CRA on that money. So to go through this exercise allows them to say, hey, I could use some of that never spend money to use it to help preserve my estate with things like tax tax exam, cash value, life insurance, or philanthropy or other planning strategies. Okay. Is there anything else you want to leave us with in about 30 seconds? Uh, just again, it's, you know, timing is everything. We make our uh, RSP contributions on March the 1st because there's a deadline. deadline. We pay taxes on April 30th because there's a deadline. deadline. If we don't put a deadline to this, then it never gets done and we get, and we're worse for wear on that. So I have like a bit of a 72 hour rule. If anybody's been listening and says, Hey, this makes sense, do something within the next 72 hours. Otherwise, what happens is, okay, we're back to sleep. And I know you're looking at me. Yeah. Maybe, I think the only reason you keep inviting me back here is so that eventually you'll take care of all those things too. Stop blushing. Okay. I can see the blush. Okay. And, and I used to be a personal finance and business reporter. So there you go. People out there, don't feel bad if you are procrastinating. And Mark Halpern, wealthinsurance.com. Thank you so much. And we'll see you again in two weeks, right? Fantastic. Looking forward. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.